Special episode of Comedy Keys coming at you from the New England Musical Improv Experience. Today, I am sitting down with Faustino Solis, and uh, also we have uh, Neil Miller, uh, who is an Improv Boston music director, uh, in the audience with us today. Hey guys, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having us. Uh, cool. So, uh, Faustino, we were chatting yesterday in the MD workshop, uh, sort of about your background, and that you actually uh, came to MDing from a rather unique background. Can you tell us a little bit about your musical background? My musical background, oh man. Um, I don't know if how, how important this is, but I am Filipino-American. I say this because for people, they might relate to this. My mom made me and my sister at a very young age perform for our parents or for our social groups um, for the Filipino Buffalo American Association thing. Um, they put me and my sister through piano lessons, which none of us really continued on. Um, yeah, so that so almost my mom kind of forced me into music in general. And then it made it's, it's a long story, but it made its way to where um, when I started college, I started as a voice major. So my background is singing, um, studying like classical voice, how to sing without microphones, and then learning um, learning words in different languages, and that was like my thing. I was also conducting, like, there were no graduate conducting students, and I was like, hey, I want to do that, and then they were like, cool, you kind of know what you're doing, so we'll throw you in there. So I got a lot of, like, conducting experience from choirs and orchestra. Like, at UNLV, I got to conduct, uh, like, a 30, 40-minute opera that won an award nationally. That was cool. Wow. And then, like, two years ago, because I was, like, the fourth-string conductor that they had, like, I actually conducted Carmina Burana. It with like 10 singers, which you need like 154. Um, I also wrote a lot of pieces when I was in the South, um, specifically like when I was in East Carolina. I wrote a lot of choral pieces. I wrote one jazz tune that's like only 16 bars, and I was like, just have at it. Um, I wrote some, I'm trying to remember, I wrote like a trombone trio, I wrote a string quartet. So when it came to, I found out that MDing was a thing, I was like, the only reason why I said yes, like let's try it out, is because when you hear chord progressions, it's like something where like you're just dabbling on the piano or your guitar, and it's like it's easy to come up together. Just why not just spit that out? Yeah. Cool. So let's let's talk about then about uh, getting into music directing. Uh, did you start doing improv, or did you kind of come right. in the the MD route? So um, I started off um, very fortunate. A good friend of mine, Brent Mukai, um, who funny enough uh, did he was covering uh, Fifty Shades of the Parody in Vegas which was started by Baby Wants Candy. Oh, um, he was the one who got me into it because, actually no, let's backtrack. Um, my friend Crystal, she had asked me a bunch of times when we were in college, hey, come watch my improv show. And I didn't really know what it was. I was like, and it conflicts with my job. So on one week where I was available, I actually come watch it with my friend Alex. And it was just, yeah, it just looked like a bunch of games that were made up. And I thought, this is fun. And I kind of thought about it. Oh, it's just like Who's Line, which everyone, it's like the stereotypical. Like, it looks like that. And I thought it was really cool. Um, at one point, I got invited to play slow-mo Olympics because they are like, we need an audience suggestion. I felt pretty bored just going up there. I remember, like, having to, like, yeah, because you have the two improvisers who are, like, doing commentary, and then I got selected to be one of the people doing the slow-mo. It was pancakes. Yeah. I remember the first thing of, like, I thought I was pouring oil on the pan, but then 
girl thought she I was like spraying a ball down. We had a whole like slow mo fist fight and wasn't even about the pancakes. <laughs> I thought it was so fun. And then at the end of every show, they were like, "Hey, come talk to us about doing a workshop." So I actually asked the guy running it a bunch of times, "Hey, how do I do this?" And would never give me a certain answer until they started advertising. Um, they actually advertised. It was really just cool. Like five bucks on a Sunday afternoon for two hours. Super cheap. And that's where I fr- met my friend Brent, who was offering these workshops. So I started doing improv, just, well, first watching it and then just doing these really cheap workshops. And mostly it was because of people who were so interested and he was really welcoming just doing basic skills. There was no, like, no, like, all levels um, that were welcome. I just started doing that. Eventually, through, yeah, it was like through Facebook, I found that event which was in Philly with that group that I saw before. And then eventually also through Facebook, I found the theater that I play now, Vegas Theater Hub, because I had an ad for a free workshop. Um, so I did the, in, yeah, so I did all the improv first, got involved with the community. It wasn't until like the MD part of it is when I, um, I went to LA with a couple of friends of mine to watch a taping of At Midnight with Chris Hardwick. Nice. And yeah. I stayed at, I think it's called the Starlight Hotel which is right next, I forgot the that's I don't think that's the name of it, someone can correct me on it. It's right next to UCB Sunset. Original plan wasn't even to do watch improv, it was just uh, to watch the taping of the show, and then I saw on the bottom it said, Musical but Improv Bot 3000 or something. And I was like, what is this? I looked at the description online, Musical Improv, and they and you might be able to jam with them. I told the guys, hey look, I know it's the 10.30 show, please come with me, went out, and then and then they were like, we were amazed by it. I didn't know it was a thing. Like it was literally like, uh, shout out the guy playing it with Sam Janitis, um, who was hangs out in LA, playing it, and then some girl, um, I forgot her name, playing Cajones, and it was like the craziest thing ever. And then like afterwards, I I told I told my friends just wait here. I had to talk to them, so I met um, Sam uh, Janitis and Tony Gonzalez from the Sam and Tony Show in LA, and they're the ones telling me about like, yeah, we've been doing and we've been doing it for a while now. Also, funny fact, Tony did I think it was an undergrad or master's in an opera performance just like me but at uh, Indiana University so that was like when I found that I was like oh wow you're also a voice person too just like me it's like I can totally relate to that I went to Vegas and I told them like I can think I can replicate that and then I bought a piano and then I then I've been playing since February of 2016. Cool uh yeah so that's a great segue into uh playing um, so yesterday at the workshop, you were saying, you know, you're just kind of faking it based on what you know from, from music, uh, or from, from voice and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I'm a big fan of the fake it till you make it. And I'm also just faking it and figuring out chord progressions as we go. Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking like, let's maybe talk through some basic chord progressions that, that people can put in their back pockets, you know, to start okay. out with. Um, I'm going to say in a couple of ways. First, I'm going to say like the very musical, for those who have music degrees or know theory, I'm going to say it like that first. So cool. in order to survive improv, you need four, you really only need three chords. You need the tonic, the subdominant, and the dominant. All right. Tonic is always the thing that establishes the tonality. That's the singer knows what key you're in. Dominant is like the highest tension. You go away from it and because it, it always, you want to, to go back to tonic and then subdominant. Is just a delaying tactic, almost like you do improv. Like I was, I was just also just realizing that like literally like improv. Yeah. So this is the tonic. This is a C chord. Also triad root position. Triad. You need that chord. That's a C. This is an F, which is that subdominant chord. Delaying tactic. Um, the dominant, which is five chord, or in this case G. 
Um, you just need, really, you, in order to survive, you just need those three chords. No matter what people say to you, it's like, the only thing, yeah, like I relate to improv, you only need just these things to survive. It's almost like, it's almost like this is, this is yes and, this is commitment, and this is that third thing that people talk about. All, everything else above that is just an embellishment. So it's almost like, like musical improv. Like it's just, it's improv in its core and then just happen to have music on top of it. You really just need these chords. And for those actual MDs, it's all in root position because that's all I really know. Um, then I started realizing as, um, I wasn't even expected to play songs before. Like you only need these for songs, even for underscoring. Like I discovered like in that relationship of that one, four, five, like for underscoring, like what I'll do is I'll just keep playing some kind of tonic or just don't delay the tonic or just make or like just embellish that thing all the way through when something is just they're establishing a scene i'll go to like a four or two or something that's not the tonic where it's like they're building to that first turning point then you start adding stuff like the super tonic or like a two or this is d minor or f even do sometimes i do flat seven just whatever it's delaying that and then when they're finally going up to like a punchline or like a realization point you go to that five chord i've discovered from these three chords i can in my travels just expanding that vocabulary and just adding more stuff to it so now you got now i'm starting to use more of the range of each of those chords yeah you could use a seven chord a diminished seven chord if you want whatever so yeah, I just been like piecing it. So then after that, I started piecing together what I already know about song structure from like studying opera scores and like how to do secondary dominance and just apply that to a song. Yeah. So what does what does that look like? Because that's something that I'm not as familiar with. Okay. So um, this is a verse of a song that I just made up. Uh, this is a song and it sounds terrible. It goes like this. And then if I want to do something like a half cadence where they're not quite done yet, um, it's a five of five chord, so you go in, you're in C major. If you want to, because you know, if you want the end of a verse to be stronger, all you gotta do is just find ways to embellish that last chord. So if you want to end in a tonic, then you can do some kind of like sequence or cadence to establish just you want to end it in. Um, tonic, but if you wanted to end it in the dominant or the five chord, yeah. they just start doing like runs to make it sound like that's really important. So even from C, um, it's almost the same thing, but make that D major, D chord major. So, so I'm just in this land. If I wanted to go to five, I can do five of five, and then G, which they'll teach you if you're a voice major. They'll teach you that because that's required. Every music major has to do that. But yeah, you just like. If you want to make a stronger um, cadence where it's not the end of a verse, you just start adding stuff on top of it. If I were to establish like the ending chord's gonna be one, I'll play like if I'm still in C major, so right. So we're in C major, whatever. Um, one of them you can do a really popular one is one, four, five, one. So that's C, yeah. F, G, and C. Um, a pop, a more even popular one because it has a little bit more attention to it. If you switch the F with the D minor chord, so C, D minor, G, C. If I want to make it very obvious that this is the chord I want to end with, like I'll do a secondary dominance, which is like doing the same progression, 
but then now I'm doing it in the key when I land on it. So if I want to do there, I want I'll if it was just play, if I was in playing G major, I'll do like an A minor chord, D, G. Um, yeah, it's secondary dominant. The whole point of it is just to make a stronger um, pass at a new key you want to get into, or not even secondary dominant, just secondary motion. That's what it's called. So if I do, yeah. So if I want to do this, C, F. G, C, that's, that's like the verse. But if I want to make it very obvious that we're in the G chord, which is that, that very last thing you want to do. Yeah, so instead of doing that D minor chord, I'll just make it major. Because this is actually the five chord of this. Yep. That's the whole point of secondary dominance. So when, like structurally, when would you want to do that in a song? I guess yeah, for a okay. song for now, let's, let's do that. Um, some of that stuff, uh, it just depends... Um, if I'm working with new improvisers, which I just I just did that, I'll do very easy chord progressions. So I usually stick in the land of one, four, five, and six. Yeah. Because it, all you really all all the singer really needs is just to know what's the form of it of the song, when to the, when to start, when to end. Honestly, the best MDs know the structure enough yeah. that they'll throw their knowledge of chords behind it. Yeah. So even if a singer messes up, if they know they're not done with their, like for example, if if they go on, like my friend Brent sometimes goes on runners, I will bash him on a podcast. I'm singing about sushi, and then uh, I'm talking about sushi. I still have this idea. I'm not gonna talk anymore because I'm not gonna give anything. I'm gonna take a breath and I'm rambling stuff and like that. Oh my goodness, I'm not gonna let the MD. And this is my song. So yeah. some yeah like in so your knowledge of like chords and stuff it's like if in case something bad happens then you can kind of figure out where in the song or where they're trying to go developmentally in their lyrics and then you just throw that behind it. Yeah okay so let's let's say you're stuck in a place where like your singer is lost. Yeah. Uh, let's how do we get them home? How do I get them home? Okay. Um, trying to think because that for me in my head I just thought it was, that's kind of a broad question. Um, one thing that I learned, I don't, I think it was from I, I, my two, I'm going to shout out my two favorite teachers. I'm sorry for those who are listening. I always go back to Stephanie McCullough from second city and then Scott Passarella from comedy sports. One of them told me at some point, like the bass is really important because that establishes like the the tempo and the rhythm. Yep. I mean, you can, I, you can just do this all that we want. That's fine. But the thing to make it interesting, you want to separate your hands out is really the singer's going to hear this. Literally, you can hear, like, a, I'm going to max this out. Like, you could, it's a low note. Um, it's not, whatever I'm playing here, you can still hear that. And you can hear that. You can literally feel the ground rumble. If you're playing, a, if you're keeping that rhythm down, at least in your left hand, the improviser's going to know what the tempo is. And yep. then that gives you the freedom, like, for advanced pianists, what I've noticed, they can solo or do any kind of progression they want in the right hand, as long as that they're grounded in their left hand doing that bass. Versus, yeah, that this is kind of a stalling tactic of like, this is really ambiguous, it's the pedal tone repeated over and over again. And then you can, so and if they're not ready yet, you can just keep vamping this. Okay, um, Stacy just like tripped over that chair. Sorry, Stacy. And now she's ready to sing. Yeah, but always like um, the role, one of the roles of MD I learned is just yeah, just keep that tempo, and make it very obvious so the so the the singer knows what it is. Yeah. Oh, another thing too is like um, Scott was telling me, um, 
especially as he's on the Off Book podcast, you are your own rhythm in uh, your own rhythm section. Yeah. So I was telling someone this like too, like the way I kind of see piano because I'm not piano trained. I mean, I, I know enough about it. I was gonna say you seem pretty good to me, but <laughs> this so the trick. This is the trick, and I feel like I don't think I'm ruining anything. Is uh, he, of the trade. he did a he did an exercise with me that was like, okay, you take your two hands, right? You can I do it on my stomach. I got this stomach. Imagine if you were like a drummer. Like if you were imagine like last night, if you were on that cajon by yourself, like how would you like support? How would you like make music or make that interesting with just your hands, like just a rhythm, a clap, like rhythm clapping? Yeah. In elementary music, in orf, um, anyone who's orf certified, they know that one of the basics of teaching is is hand percussion or body percussion. So how does it feel like? to make music just by using your body or like just simple rhythms with your hands. All right, so and think of it, if you have those two hands and you got 10 fingers, you have all those options too. I don't know if you can hear it, I'm, like, like I'm doing like a rhythm like. Yeah, so you have, so you have like almost like 10 little hands on your fingers, yeah. you can do all the rhythm stuff, so then it's almost like you're playing the piano like you're a drummer. Yeah. So instead of, so like the, if the girl was doing this, that's great and all, you're establishing the key, you're establishing, you're establishing tempo, you're establishing the key, you're establishing the style, which is ambiguous. That's the whole point of like when you start a song, right? But how fun it would be if you start, um, but because it's so ambiguous, when you want to do a, like name any genre. Uh, blues. Blues? And then you start adding elements of what, like, it's almost like an improviser. You just add what a trope is to blues, and I suck at blues. I'm going to do my best. That's another thing, too. I've noticed a lot of jazz people, yeah. when they're soloing, they actually sing their solos, and I think it's really, yeah. it helps them navigate. So it's like, there's that, like, some things I'll do is um, I'll beatbox it. What does a drummer? What would a drummer do in that situation? And then I'll find a way to make the piano do that. Yeah. Yeah, you're basically you're a piano player that have the harmony. The bass player keeps it grounded and keeps almost keeps the tempo. The drummer adds the fills to it. Yep. So you just do all that with the piano. And I'm also just playing a root position yeah. chord in the bass. I was gonna say I wanted to marvel at the simplicity of that because it's you're just one three five in the bass. I stole that from Stephanie. I yeah. watched her so many times. And no. I'm like, I mean, she's way better than that in general, but like that if for root, right? That works for me. But that's so simple. And then you just throw it in that uh, B flat, basically in the right hand, and that's the thing that makes it sound like blues, yeah. right? The rhythm. Yeah, and you switch to for the for the four chord. So just even like just to fake a bass line, some people are like, well, they know how it works, like to add a seventh. Or I when was when I didn't know you can just do tries. I just did. I just listened to a bass line. Like the rock and roll. That just requires a lot of like, a lot of like practicing hands separately. Yeah. But yeah, like a lot. What I've been doing for like just the blues. Because all, because what it is, it's like it 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 puts the the faking part of it is, you have the forward motion where it's not just this over and over again, and you're still doing a harmony with the bass line. Basses, the best bass players can establish the key. Like this is a very Bachian thing. They establish the key, 
even though they can only play one note at a time. You know this is a C major chord, because I'm playing it rhythmically, and it's interesting because it's not the same note over and over again. Yep. Do you know what chord that is? Now we're in C minor. Right. So yeah, I mean, for those who think they don't know what they're doing, I've been doing that. So you establish the harmony, or whatever, half diminished full. So you establish the harmony in your right hand, and then you let the bass do, do the rhythm part that the improviser needs. So this is the kind of like the color parts. This is very rudimentary from what I notice from my own observations. Yeah. Yep, and that right hand was just a uh, C minor 7, right? Yeah, C minor 7. I like the C minor chord. Yeah, so improv, improv brain, this is the chord that I want to do is some kind of sad song. So a minor naturally works. And then what makes it sexy? Okay, a, sep, a flat 7 is always good. <laughs> yep. And also, it, this is... Technically, in theory terms, like this is stronger than this. Yeah. This is actually more approachable with adding that seventh to it. Even the same thing with like the added nine chord. Yeah. It just adds it a different flavor to it. But really, the strongest chord is technically those triad chords, hmm. or at least the fully diminished seventh chord is also that thing too. It's a very strong chord. But yeah. Um, Sorry, run, run, run that one by me again. The fully diminished seven. So, that's... so it's a minor third. Yeah. We're having a free theory lesson. Minor, minor third, top of a minor third. Top of the minor third. That's why it's fully diminished because it's just a bunch of minor thirds on top of each other. Uh, if I do, it's like that. Um, they're gonna run over the train track. I'll just do like. It's almost like doing. I'll, it's almost like those three notes. Yeah, there's like a couple skulls like just doing that fully diminished chord. And then if you know what the notes are, you can just keep rolling it up in triads. That's what I do. Or root position chords. Yeah. And just start rolling that, and then just then we can. What you can do is roll that, and then just now with your finger. Your I usually play octaves now is just that you just outline that chord in your left hand. So it's like you roll this, and you just pick whatever notes you want. Uh, I forgot. Uh, and it's like oh, it's all this tension going. But all you're really doing is just you're taking that knowledge of just that chord, and then like now how can I make it more interesting with my fingers? Like just reaching it out a lot farther. Cool. Okay, yeah. so let's just uh, recap the tricks we've got so far, right? Yeah. So we've got your one four five or your uh, tonic subdominant dominant. Yeah, just basic uh, chords. We've got uh, using your fingers or using the piano as your rhythm section. That's right? that's but the most helpful one I think for most people is just like realizing that you know your chords and then yeah using it at rhythm section. Um, and then we've got sort of going going wider on the keyboard, right? Expanding the the range. Yeah. Yeah, um, different yeah different registers will have different effects anyways, and then just because of just the or acoustically, it's easier to hear a whatever that is like you can hear that that lower notes and higher notes more succinctly anyways. So yeah. you can experiment with the range of the keyboard if you want. Cool. I think we got about five more minutes uh, before we gotta get some food before the next workshop. But, right. Uh, any other tricks? I guess the one thing I don't really see a lot from MDs, and it's a kind of a debate, is um, I like getting into the keys a lot. Like, I like jamming out. That's the whole yeah. reason why I even did MDing, is really my whole thing, because I'm, my end goal right now is I'm still trying to be a conductor. I don't know if, if that's actually going to happen or not, but I'm still working to be like a choral, choral or orchestral or ballet or opera conductor. That's my goal. Cool. 
And this MDing thing kind of satisfy that because you're composing and kind of directing on the spot. Um, but as but really good, good conductors aren't just going to give you the tempo or the beat. They're also going to inspire people to they make their orchestras and their choirs better than they are. You don't need a piano for improv. I've seen a couple of people that can just do improvise acapella without a MD there. But the point, but yeah, but one of the cool things is that we get to inspire people um, uh, through our piano playing, almost like, and really Stephanie was saying like, yeah, it's just a, it's a yes sanding everything and you're heightening with song. Really the piano is really just a heightening tool. So I, so you can do the thing where it's like, you're just very static and you're just behind the curtain and that's totally acceptable. Um, I like to get into it like, and put a little motion behind it. Like, if we're not putting emotion behind the things we're doing, or even just the physical motion, what's the point of playing? Yeah, and then like you're starting to tell a story. telling a story and you're enjoying what you're doing on the piano that's going to translate so much for the people you're working with uh jay steinman from second city was saying improv is just joy on stage the audience gets to be a part of that so if you're not feeling it here then it's like and then it kind of affects the people on stage and there's like a whole debate on that but i seriously feel like i'm a musician first but i also did improv before i'm ding so i'm gonna be the musician actually take that out i'm gonna be the artist and like enjoy what I'm doing. So even stuff like this. Oh, oh cool. Another thing too is like, sorry, I'm going to throw yeah. this in. Oh yeah, go ahead. Um, Schoenberg, 12 tone rows. You can be super cool um, and sound interesting if you just play a note. I think Dave Asher mentioned at some point. Uh, you can really just do a whole scene of just three different notes. So, okay, like what's number between one and 12? Uh, six. Six? Okay. One, two, three. Pick another one. Uh, eight. Wait, well, I think this is six. This is six and eight. And then what's another one? Uh, twelve. Twelve? And this is, there's really no twelves for this one. So the notes you picked are, um, G flat. I like single flats. G flat, A flat. You can literally just do an underscoring. It's kind of interesting, though. It's almost like a unresolved chord, like a seven. Yeah. But you can literally do an underscore with just those three notes. But you can't just play this all the time. That's not interesting. But you can't. What you can do is you got tempo to consider. You got dynamic. You got the range of the instrument. You have when you play it, the speed, a cello rondo, that kind of stuff. Use your knowledge as a musician to help use those three notes and just escalate it. So I can just do like I don't know. like kind of like you're painting the, the scene with a piano or with your piano you don't have to like play chords all that's another thing people resort to just playing rhythm and stuff they know all the time why not be ex expressive and just like you know explore and then when you have just those three notes when you add another note that's a gift then you can start coloring Now it's like more mysterious than before. Add another note. And then just to kind of ground it, I'll just do, wait, yeah. Oh man, what is that? That's a mistake, I'm gonna add it. Yeah, 
So I, when I first started MDing like for underscoring, I just did that because I wasn't sure like how to play those like stock music. So I just did a lot of that stuff. Just like I'm seeing like a very emotional scene. I was saying yesterday, I just basically yeah. did Runaway at one point with Natalie <laughs> Shipman just doing. So I just liked that. This is open thing. When you add that minor, that uh, minor major seventh. I don't even know Runaway well enough, but just like I'm having fun with just those three notes, and that speaks a lot. When you add more stuff to it, it just adds. You just give yourselves more gifts. Um, if you play thick all the time, then great. I mean, you're it's it's good, but then you kind of. I don't I don't want to say limiting your options because I feel like you should be able to do all that stuff. But like I don't know. I like thinking of just giving myself gifts of like. What I don't give at the beginning, I can add later. And I can yeah. heighten with that just by adding more technique to it. So they have, they're gonna kiss each other. Two brothers kiss each other. And then we're gonna sing a song because we're so quirky. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I really think an MD himself is an artist. Why not just be an artist and experiment and do all that stuff like an improviser does? Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, awesome. I'm glad we were able to uh, sneak in some time. Thanks to Improv Boston, the New England Musical Improv Experience, and for Faustino, for you coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. And this has been Comedy Keys. Comedy Keys.